Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Christ died for us. That's the heart of the gospel. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Jesus is perfect. He didn't need to die, but he did to pay the punishment for my sin. It's God's love for me that makes a way into heaven. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. I want you to take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to the 16th chapter of Luke's Gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke. We're continuing the series we've called, Who's Your One? We're thinking about those people in our lives that need that relationship with Jesus Christ that changes everything, not only here, but for all of eternity. And what I'm about to share with you is one of the most difficult subjects from one of the most difficult passages that a preacher will ever preach. And so as I always do, I've tried to bathe this in prayer in the study of God's Word. Every time I prepare for a message, the the primary source is the Bible, the Word of God. You go to that passage and see, God, what would you say to me anew and afresh? And then thankfully, we live in a day where many Christ followers through a lot of generations have written commentary on these different passages. And now we live in a digital age where you can see where even some of our favorite communicators have have talked about this. So I'm so blessed to come to this heavy passage with the help of, of folks like Dr. Tony Evans, who I love, and my personal mentor, Dr. Johnny Hunt, and Another guy that I just hung out a little bit with this week, J.D. Greer, that God is using in a significant way. So I'm thankful for, and I hope you recognize it, that every time I stand before you, there's kind of a a bubble uh, of information that has come together so that we might communicate most effectively the truth that, that God has laid before us in the Scriptures. And today's passage is a challenging one because it deals with a topic that some preachers even never talk about. It deals with the reality of the biblical doctrine of a place called hell. I heard about an army chaplain that had gotten to the place in his theology that he actually stood before his soldiers. And he said to him, I need to tell you men that that I've decided I don't believe in hell. He then went on to preach a message, but after the message, some of the soldiers gathered around him and said, We need to tell you that your services are no longer needed. And here's why. If there is no hell, then what we do has no consequence. If there is no hell, if there is a hell and you're not telling us about it, then you are leading us astray. Either way, you're of no help to us. So I'm standing here to tell you according to the scriptures, According to the perfect word of God, 
I believe there is a place called hell. I believe in hell because I believe in God. I believe in hell because I believe in Jesus. I believe in hell because I believe the veracity, the truthfulness of the Bible, the Holy Scriptures. To deny the reality of hell is to, is to declare God and Jesus and the Bible liars. Because God repeatedly in his word talks about the reality of hell. Jesus in his earthly ministry, as you'll see today, described the reality of hell. And the Bible is full of passages that describe hell. In the New Testament alone, 234 of the 260 chapters in the New Testament give us warnings of the dangers of the impending judgment of hell. I would not be a good person, much less a good pastor, if I didn't talk to you about what the Bible teaches about hell. In the same way that as a parent, you would not be a good parent if you let your child walk up to a hot stove without saying, wait, don't touch that. As a fireman, you would not be a good fireman if you, did, if you saw someone in a burning home and you didn't do everything you could to get them out. As a lifeguard, you would not be one who could preserve life in a good way if you saw a person drowning and you did not dive into the pool to do everything within your power to save them, to keep them from drowning. We must warn others about the reality of hell. Billy Graham was asked near the end of his life and ministry, is there anything that he would do different? And he said, oh, without, without doubt. He said, I would pray more. I would study the scriptures more. I would win more souls. And I would preach on hell more. Charles Spurgeon, the great English preacher who mentored hundreds and hundreds of young pastors, he was teaching his young pastors and he said, when you preach about heaven, let your face light up. When you preach about hell, your everyday face will do. <laughs> the reality is this is not a, a, a message, this is not a topic that, that I can joke about. This is a solemn subject. It's interesting, in our society today, almost everybody believes in heaven. But an increasingly fewer number of people believe in the doctrine of hell. Probably most staggering was a period of time between 2001 and 2008 in our country, in the United States of America, where we saw the number of people who believed in the doctrine of hell decrease by about 20%. In 2001, about 70% of the population said they believed in hell. By 2008, that was down to just over 50%. I think we don't believe in it because we don't want to believe in it. So throughout history, we've come up with ideologies, philosophies to help explain away hell. For example, Origen is the one who kind of initiated this philosophy of universalism. One of our Democratic presidential candidates announced this week that he had appointed a faith director. He said that she was a Unitarian Universalist. A Unitarian means that she denies the Trinity, the core foundation of the Christian faith, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Universalist is what Origen taught, which is that everybody, Origen believed even, that Satan himself would be forgiven and would go to heaven. Universalism. As I mentioned a few weeks ago, while it's probably doubtful that those who would gather in a room like this regularly on a weekend 
believe in universalism. The truth is a lot of us in practice are practical universalists because we're not warning others of the dangers of hell. Then there's this idea of annihilationism and and what it does is it takes away the eternal punishment of hell. And so it teaches that there, there will come a, a time where God will just annihilate those sinners, those souls who are currently being punished in hell. They will not be punished forever. They will just be annihilated. Again, kind of explaining away that eternal reality of hell. And then if you come from a Catholic background, primarily you've heard of a doctrine that teaches purgatory. Purgatory is the idea that those people who were not quite holy enough, they, they weren't cast to hell, but they weren't quite holy enough, kind of get another opportunity to make amends, to make things right, so that they could then perhaps go on to, to heaven. All of these are ways just to take away from what the Bible, I believe, clearly teaches. So let me do a little warning today. Let me give you a definition of hell that I found from Tony Evans. He said, hell is a place of eternal exile where the ungodly experience the just retribution of a holy God against their sin. Now just look at this definition. Hell is a place, say hell is a place. You're going to see in scripture today, the Bible teaches hell is not figurative, hell is not symbolic, hell is a place. It's a place of eternal exile. It's eternal. What does eternal mean? Forever. Hell is, a pl- is one of two places everybody you ever see will spend forever. Everybody you know will spend forever somewhere. But in hell, that forever is in exile. What does exile mean? It means to be put away from. So you're in exile because you're ungodly. Those ungodly are those who have not become godly. How do we become godly? We're adopted into the family of God. We bear the name of Christ. We begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so what happens? We experience the just retribution. The just retribution means it's what is deserved to us, the payment of a holy God against our sin. If you do not believe in the reality of hell as described in Scripture, you in fact are denying the holiness of God. You are either focused too much on yourself and you're thinking that you don't want to contemplate the fact that you could spend eternity separated from God or you have diminished the focus that should be in your life on God and you don't understand what his holiness demands. In the Bible, the word hell is a word that literally comes from a place that is still in existence today. Gehenna, literally the valley of Gehenna, or in the original language of Hinnom. It was the garbage dump outside of Jerusalem. So I live in Temple Terrace on Tuesday morning and Friday morning. My garbage is retrieved by the garbage men. And they take it to a place where it is destroyed. That's what was taking place in the valley of Gehenna. That's what was taking place in Hinnom. It was a place outside of the walls of Jerusalem in the valley where the trash was taken and lit on fire and the fire was constantly burning because the garbage was constantly coming that way. It was a real place. And so that is used by Jesus to describe what hell 
would be like. One of the questions you have to ask and answer when you're looking at the doctrine of hell in Scripture is, why is there a hell? People that don't understand Scripture ask it somehow like this. Why would a good and a loving God allow there to be hell? You have to understand part of our spiritual history to answer that question. God prepared hell for spiritual beings. God prepared hell as judgment for Satan and his angels. We know that because Jesus told us so. Matthew 25, 41 says this. Then he'll say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Why did God prepare a place for the devil and his angels? Because there was a massive revolt in the hallways of heaven. We read about this in the scripture. One of the angels thought he was as good as God, and so he was cast out of heaven. Lucifer is his name. We call him Satan, the devil, the father of lies. He's one bad guy. And what we're taught is a third of the angels in heaven followed him. And so God created this place called hell for the devil and his angels. It was created for spiritual beings. It was not created for human beings. Hell was never intended for you or anyone you ever know. So why do humans go to hell? Well, according to Scripture, the only way a human being ever goes to hell is to choose to go to hell. Hell is a choice of the sinner to experience the consequence of his or her sin over the salvation of God. Think about that. Every person that ever goes to hell does so as a result of their choice to accept the eternal consequence of their sin rather than receive the eternal salvation that's offered by God. How do I know that God doesn't want anyone to go to hell? Because he tells us. The Bible teaches that God desires that all would be saved. 1 Timothy 2, 3 says this, This is good and it's pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Say this with me. Say all. God desires that everyone you know, everyone you see, everyone that has lived become a part of his family and experience eternity with him in heaven. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. In case there's any confusion, I want to make sure you understand the problem. The problem began with that revolt in heaven. 
when Satan was cast out of heaven, the Bible teaches us that he found a habitation here on earth. And with his habitation on earth, he then began a path of destruction and death. It did not take long in our history for this to appear. It occurs in the Garden of Eden. You remember the story. Satan comes in the form of a serpent to Eve. He tells her to do what God had told her not to do. She does. Then she takes it to her husband, who does as well. And they both find themselves having disobeyed God. Sin is that rebellion against the will of God, whether actively or inactively. If God has told you to do something and you don't do it, that's sin. If God's told you not to do something and you do it, that is sin. And on that day, in the very beginning of our book called the Bible, sin entered the world. And sin separated Adam and Eve from that active relationship with God. You might remember, they found themselves there in the garden. They were naked and they were afraid, the Bible says. Why were they afraid? Because they were exposed to God in a way they had never been exposed. So they begin to hide. That's what sin does. It causes us to distance ourselves from a holy God. And so the Bible taught right there at the beginning of the book that because of that sin, all of mankind would be stained and scarred by this reality of sin. Not just because of what we do, but even because of who we are. And the Bible teaches us that while we're all sinners, there's a punishment, a payment for that sin. And that right punishment, that righteous payment is death. But wait a second, we've got a conflict. God doesn't want that. He desires who to be saved? He desires all to be saved. So that's where Romans 5, 8 comes in. I love this verse. It says, God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If you've ever heard the phrase gospel, that's the heart of the gospel. I'm a sinner. I need a savior. Jesus is perfect. He didn't need to die, but he did to pay the punishment for my sin and purchase a place for me in heaven. It's God's love for me that makes a way into heaven. That's his desire. That's what he wants. He took on the wrath of God so that we don't have to. That's what that very next verse says, by the way. Since therefore we've now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. I want you to think about the wrath of God for a second. Because you can't understand hell if you don't understand the wrath of God. We like to talk about the love of God. I would much rather just love you into heaven. But I'm just telling you half of the story if I do that. The wrath of God reminds us that because God is holy, he simply cannot tolerate sin. That's why you have to understand when you sin, you may hurt the people around you, but your sinful acts toward them are never the same as your sinful acts toward God because they are not holy, but he is. And because he is holy, sin angers him and that anger is felt. It's his wrath. And on this side of heaven, sometimes we experience the passive wrath of God. What's the passive wrath of God? What's the consequence of our sin, right? So we see that all through Scripture. People who feared God, 
in the New Testament, people who follow Jesus, they still sinned, but they had consequence of their sin. You understand consequence? Our little girl's a little crazy, and she's full of questions, and she's, she's always asking the question, so if I do this, then what? And I'm done with that game. And so I tell her, I'm not answering that. And she then answers it for herself. She will say, if I do that, consequence, right? Then I say, right, so be quiet. The Bible teaches that on this side of heaven, we experience and encounter the passive wrath of God, which means there are consequences even on this side of heaven, to our sinful choices. But we have the opportunity, because of the grace and love of Jesus Christ, we have an opportunity to avoid the active wrath of God. Hell is the place where the active wrath of God is carried out for all eternity. But we only experience that. When we choose that. I need to beat that into your heart today. Billy Graham put it this way. God will never send anybody to hell. If a man goes to hell. He goes by his own free choice. Hell was created for the devil and his angels. Not for man. God never meant that man should go there. If you choose your sin over salvation. God will give you the desires of your heart. I heard Tony Evans put it this way. He said, it's really that negative alternative to the sinner's prayer. The sinner's prayer is when you cry out to God and you recognize, God, I'm a sinner. I need a savior. There's no way I can go forward but by your grace. I surrender my life to you. I submit to you. Take control. According to Scripture, that's straight out of the Bible, Romans 10, 9, and 10. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord, believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you're saved. That's the sinner's prayer. But the negative alternative to that is saying, no, I I don't do that. So you might not pray this to God, but you're saying in response to that prayer, "I, I choose to submit to my will. I choose to have it my way. See, there's only two options for eternity. You're going to be one of two places, and you can be described by these two phrases. One place is going to be inhabited by those people who say, thy will be done. Another place is going to be inhabited by those people who say, my will be done. God will give you the desires of your heart in this issue. And Luke 16 describes the story of one who God dealt with in that way. Now, theologians have debated whether or not this is a parable or whether this is an account of a true story that actually occurred. Here's what I would say to you about that. It doesn't matter. I think it may be a true story, just like the story of the Good Samaritan. Sometimes Jesus specifically identifies that he's speaking in parabolic fashion. He's telling a story to make a point. He doesn't do that here. He uses real names, so it very well could be a real story. But what we know either way is it describes accurately the consequences of denying Christ and being separated from God's holiness and subjected to God's wrath. We need to do whatever it takes to make sure that everyone we know, everyone we see, everyone we meet has a chance to get off the highway to hell.
if you understand the reality of what the Bible says about eternity, you are living in disobedience if you don't do whatever it takes to keep those in our corner of the world from experiencing it. So if you are a Christ follower, here's my request of you. Let's make it hard to go to hell from where we are. Stop worrying about offending people. Stop worrying about turning your family members off. Would you, would you rather upset them today or spend eternity away from them? Let's make it hard to go to hell from here. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910.